Welcome to Daily Drive Time Devotions. We're looking in our fourth day of our look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 to 16 today. These truths about the second coming that are contained in this chapter are all about hope. There's only one right foundation for the future. There's one foundation only for the future that I can build on, that you can build on, that's going to guarantee a life of security, a life of joy, and that is the foundation of hope. It's the only foundation that lasts. There's an incredible difference between a wish about the future and a hope for the future. If it's not built on the truth, it's just a wish. If it's not built on a certainty, it's just a wish. It's not a hope. A hope has to be something that you are absolutely certain of. Well, only God knows the future. I don't. You don't. But God does. And so God alone can give us hope for the future. He can tell us what we can be certain of. In Jesus Christ, we have a hope for the future. We have a certainty about what God's going to do. And Paul, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13, talks about this hope. Now, he starts in a way that might make you wonder at first. He says, brothers, we don't want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep. Fall asleep, he's talking about those who have died, believers who have died. Hope has to be built on truth. And Paul is saying, I don't want you to be ignorant because then you won't have a hope. He doesn't want you to be ignorant of the truth. You hear a lot about the second coming, and some of it is based on truth. Some of it based on hope. Some of it's based on fear. Some of it's the truth. Some of it's just one person's opinion. If it's not the truth, it doesn't matter how many people say they believe it. It's a foundation that in the end will fail. I know a lot of people who are talking about the second coming, even interested in the second coming, but they never built a foundation of understanding the truth of the second coming. They've never gotten the foundation of the truth down in their life. Well, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 is where you start. Paul, in this chapter, writes some very practical answers to some questions that they'd written to ask him about. In fact, the whole letter is written back to them based on some questions that they'd asked Paul. He writes to them not just because they have some intellectual interest in the second coming. He writes to them not just because of their curiosity about when Jesus Christ would come again. Paul's writing to them here grows out of a very personal concern that these people had. Listen to what he had to say, beginning again in verse 13. Brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. We believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep with him. According to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are alive, who are left till the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. Paul had told them about the second coming when he'd been with them for two or three weeks and started this church, and they believed it. They believed God's word, God's truth. Paul had taught them about this, and they had a sense of the fact that Jesus might come again at any moment. Now, Paul hadn't given them any dates or times. He just told them it could be at any moment, and they believed this. Between the time when Paul had taught them this and the time when he wrote this letter, some of their friends, some of their relatives had died, and they began to have some questions. The questions that the Thessalonians were facing were questions like, would they see their loved ones again? Were they somehow separated now? Where were their loved ones now? Would their loved ones face God's judgment somehow when Jesus returned? And God has an answer to these questions. He doesn't want us to be ignorant. Now, why is it important that we as Christians not be ignorant? Well, the very answers that are in this chapter, so that we'll know what has happened to those that we love and so that we'll not grieve as those who have no hope. If the world can't see hope from you as a believer, it can't see hope. So there are clear answers to these questions when you look at what Paul has to say about the second coming of Christ here. He talks, first of all, about what will happen. 
And as he talks about this, there are four things that he talks about. He talks about return, resurrection, rapture, and reunion. Remember those four words. We're going to talk about them the next two days together. Return, resurrection, rapture, and reunion. He talks to this group of people that's confused, that's wondering what's going to happen when Jesus comes again. And he says, first of all, return. Jesus is going to return. The Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command in verse 16, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. There is no doubt as you study the scripture that the Bible teaches Jesus Christ not only came the first time to earth, but he is coming again. One scholar estimated that there are 1,845 references to Christ's second coming in the Old Testament, where 17 books give it prominence. In the 260 chapters of the New Testament, there are 318 references to the second coming of Christ. One out of 30 verses, 23 of the 27 New Testament books refer to the second coming of Christ. For every prophecy in the Bible concerning Jesus' first coming to this planet, there are eight which look forward to his second, to his return. This is a truth that is throughout the Bible because God doesn't want us to miss the hope. Jesus Christ is going to return. And when Jesus Christ returns, as you look throughout the New Testament, two major things happen. First, he gathers the church to himself, the personal return where he gathers the church, the bride of Christ. And secondly, he judges the world, those who do not know him, the visible return of Christ. Now, without getting into a long discussion, some people think these happen simultaneously. Others think that they happen with a period of time in between them called, you might have heard called the tribulation. In this passage, Paul is talking about the first of these, the gathering of the church. And it's interesting to me, as he talks about Jesus' return, that these verses pay particular attention to the sounds that will accompany the second coming of Christ with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God. There will be a loud command. John 5.25 says, I tell you the truth, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. Now, if the dead will hear and will live, let's just follow the thinking of those in Thessalonica here. Does that mean somehow that they're not living until Jesus comes again? If they've already died, are they somehow not living until they hear him in his return? That their soul and body go into a grave and they're asleep? And then when Jesus returns, maybe they, they come back to life. Is that what the Bible is teaching here? Well, let me give you the answer now, and then we'll play it out in a few minutes. The answer is that is not what the Bible is teaching. In a moment, we'll see that what the Bible teaches about the difference between our soul and body when we die helps us to understand the resurrection of the body. But here, I want you to hear the sound. Jesus returns it's with a loud command. We respond to his voice. It's with the voice of an archangel. Daniel chapter 12, verse 1, talks about an archangel by the name of Michael. In fact, he's the only angel that's called an archangel in the Bible. At that time, Michael, the great prince who protects your people, will stand up. The idea in this chapter is the angel standing to call the people. In Daniel 12, 1, Michael is talked about in regards to the second coming of Christ, standing up, the loud command of God, the voice of the angel. And then finally, you have the trumpet call of God. It's going to be quite a day this anticipated trumpet call. The Bible talks about this in 1 Corinthians 15, 51 and 52. Very important verses when it comes to understanding what's going to happen at the end of time. Let me read those verses. 1 Corinthians 15, 51 and 52. But let me tell you a wonderful secret God has revealed to us. Not all of us will die, but we will all be transformed. It will happen in a moment, in the blinking of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, 
the Christians who have died will be raised with transformed bodies. And then we who are living will be transformed so that we will never die. These verses echo what we're studying here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Look at what happens when the trumpet sounds. The Christians who have died, what's going to happen to them? The Bible says they're going to be raised with transformed bodies. Now, remember the word bodies. We're going to come back to it in a minute. Very important about what happens to us when we die. They're going to be raised with transformed bodies. And then we who are alive will be transformed in the body so that we'll never die. We don't have to die and then be raised with a transformed body. We're just immediately transformed. We're going to see what's going to happen exactly with that in our study tomorrow. But first, what happens to those who've already died in Christ when Jesus returns? The Thessalonians were very concerned about these people. We've talked about return, the first of our four words. The second word is resurrection. The dead in Christ will rise. The dead in Christ will rise first. Paul had been asked about those who died, those who had fallen asleep. The word sleep in Greek is kymaterion. It's the word from which we get our word cemetery. Cemetery comes from the Greek word. It means a place where our bodies sleep. And the the New Testament teaches that our bodies rest there until the resurrection to be with the Lord. But listen to this. Our spirits, when we die, go immediately to be with the Lord. And let me explain. When you die, if you die before Jesus comes again, is your body immediately resurrected? No. Remember, when Jesus died, and was resurrected three days later. They went back in the tomb, they looked in the tomb, and the body wasn't there. It had been transformed. It was resurrected to become a perfect body that would last forever. His body disappeared because it was resurrected. When a believer dies today, does his body, does her body disappear after three days or five days? No. When you and I die as believers, we're not immediately resurrected in the body. Now, does that mean that when I die, my soul stays with my body and somehow it goes to the grave and waits for Jesus to come again? The answer to that is also no. I think most of us know intuitively that when we die, our spirit and our body separate. And the Bible teaches us that our body stays here on earth, but our spirit goes to be with the Lord. You don't have to study the Bible very long to discover this truth. Jesus talked about it on the cross when he said to the thief, today you're going to be with me in paradise. The thief's body stayed on earth, but his spirit was immediately with Jesus. Not when I come back, when I return, but today you'll be with me in paradise. Paul talked about it to the Philippians when he said to depart from this body is to be present with the Lord, a sense of immediacy. Again and again, the Bible focuses on this fact. Hebrews 12 says that we go to heaven to be with the spirits of those who've been made perfect in the Lord. So if you and I die now, Our spirits go immediately to be with the Lord in heaven. The Bible's very clear about that. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us what we're going to look like in our spiritual body, so I don't know. I don't know exactly what a spiritual body looks like. But the Bible does say I'm going to be present with the Lord, and that is what is most important to me. If you have somebody who's a believer that you know, you know they've trusted Christ and they've died, there is no doubt in my mind at all, because I believe the Bible leaves no doubt at all that they're immediately in the presence of the Lord. To me, that is encouraging. To me, that is hope. But it's not the end of the story. There's a resurrection that's going to happen someday. If our spirits immediately go to be with the Lord, is that the way that it always stays? No. When do we get our resurrected body? Well, that's where we're going to begin our study tomorrow, because this is a subject that takes two days to reflect on and look at in this incredible chapter, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. As we close today, I'd like to close with a spirit of thanksgiving. Just tell Jesus thank you. Because when he talks about his return, to him it's a very personal thing. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you that you're coming again. 
As we read what you have to say in the scripture about your return, it is often not about dates and events. It's about love. It's about your desire to be with us and for us to be with you for eternity. Lord, help us to think about the second coming personally because it is your personal return. And God, I admit that I don't think about it enough. I pray that you'd help me to help me to think about what will happen at the end of my life as a daily consideration in the way that I live my life. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.